Welcome to the One Meal, One Workout Podcast, your new approach to food and fitness, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Butler, Don Sullivan, and Mark Cockrell. Hey everybody, and welcome to One Meal, One Workout. We are back after a one-week hiatus, but it seems like it was a lot longer, doesn't it, Don? It seems like a super mega break. It seems like more like seven almost days. Almost would never end, yes. And so Don and I are back, but Mark is on his third and final trip to Wisconsin uh, for his training for his new job here in Georgia. And so, Mark, we miss you. I'm sorry you weren't able to be with us tonight, and but we look forward to having you back and um, having him done with his traveling so we can kind of get back on a regular schedule. But uh, I'm excited yes. for him for his job. So he, he moved from Texas to train in Wisconsin to work in Georgia. Exactly, you got that right. Exactly right. He, yes. he moved to Georgia to work in Wisconsin. I mean, to train in Wisconsin, not work in Wisconsin. So, uh, Don, I, I just want to tell you, I've been thinking some crazy thoughts lately. Crazy, crazy thoughts. You want to what, tell you what, of what sort, Aaron? Well, I I watched the. Uh, Do they have to do with who would win in a fight between members of the Avengers? New and old? No. no. Spider-Man versus... Okay, never mind. No, okay. No. This is actually... Um, um, I watched the 2011 Iron Man triathlon on TV the other day. Uh-oh. And I started thinking, man, that looks like that would be a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of fun. You got 17 hours to do it. Actually, I could do it in 17 hours. And then, and then I started thinking about, okay, the swim would be the hard part. So I went to my neighborhood pool and I, I used the fence to figure out the distance. And it's a 25-meter pool. And it's uh it's two point four miles when you do an Ironman, Don, in the water, and that comes out to be right at about three thousand yards, about three thousand meters or so. So that means I have to swim pretty much down and back about sixty times in my pool. Uh, I did four times the other day, and uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm not quite to and sixty. Four seemed like a lot. It huh? did. Well, I had to rest in between each one of them, but yeah, there you go. It, it was a. Uh, it, you know, I'm still thinking about it. So most of you guys that are listening to the show probably know that I'm in, registered for the uh, the 2013 Georgia Marathon. And uh, we'll see how that goes. If it goes well, there's an Ironman in Houston, which is where my mom lives, the Houston area. And I might just try to tackle that as kind of a life bucket list of things to do one time. Yeah, man. Depending on how the marathon goes. I saw whenever I came to see you and Mark a couple of weeks ago, I saw a girl on the highway on the way back that had down the, the the back of her car, you know, people have the, the bumper stickers 3.1 for a 5k or 6.2 for a 10k. Well, she had 3.1, 10.2. I try, which I assume means that she has done a triathlon and then 13.1, which is a half, Yeah, which is a half. And then she had just enough room underneath it to put a 26.2. I could tell exactly where she Well, I passed a guy the other day that was the, the real deal. You know, it was the, uh, he had the 140.6, which is the full Ironman. <laughs> so it's a 2.4 mile swim in case you're curious out there, 112 mile bike ride and then a marathon. And the, the scary part, Don, the guy who won the uh, triathlon this year set a Did record. Three hours. <laughs> I know, close. Eight hours and three minutes. He swam two and a half miles basically in under an hour which is faster than I can walk at a comfortable yes. walk. And then he biked 112 miles in like four hours and some change. And then he ran a two hour and 45 minute marathon. Jeez. So it was just crazy. So Don, don't tell me that you got injured. Okay. But you put so it in the warm up notes. So you have to, you put it in the warm up notes. So you got to yeah, tell me that you yeah. got injured. Okay. What yeah. happened? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I went running with you. Really? Believe it or not. 
Yeah, whenever I went to go see Aaron and everybody, we um, ran a little bit. I think we mentioned that in the, the guys of the Nerds of the Roundtable or whatever we call that one. Yeah. That we had gone running that morning, and we kind of sprinted the last, what, quarter mile, maybe mm-hmm. at the most. Yeah, eighth yeah. of a mile. Yeah, and I'm assuming that's when I did it. I don't know. I didn't ever you know, feel anything pop or whatever, but long story short, uh, I thought I'd broken it again. I've actually broken my foot out in the little tiny out in the bone on the outside of my foot uh-huh. that links up to your to your tiny what do you call it baby toe i guess pinky, pinky toe pinky, that's, that's pinky the technical toe. term for it thank you pinky toe and um i thought i'd broken it again it was the same type of deal well i go to the podiatrist and he gives me the analogy of those two bones are like one car towing another car and there's a tendon that runs in between the two along the top of your foot and he said, that's the rope that tows the two. But you have to imagine that that rope is very, very strong. And there's really not any possible way for you to break the rope. So what happens is you pull the bumper off the car. <laughs> and I've pulled the bumper off the car. I've separated bone from bone. Fun. Yes. Well, you know, Don, the- I hurt myself that day as well. Did you I really? I don't know if you remember, but, you know, we sprinted. Really? And I was barefoot at the time, as in holding my shoes in my hand. And when I got to the end, because I was sprinting, I actually kind of pronated and went out to the edge of my feet. And the bone where your pinky toes attached to your foot on both my feet were so sore uh, the next day that I was limping around. It went away in about a day or two. I didn't permanently rip any bone from bone. But yeah, so the the moral of the story is, guys, don't race your friends. Only race your cars. Or don't don't race your friends if you still weigh, you know, around 200 and some odd pounds. Right. If you're still 100 pounds overweight, it's just a bad idea to do. Yeah. Anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that was good. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that, and hope it heals quickly for you. Yes, I'm doing. Uh, I told my my podiatrist that I'm doing a mud run. I don't care if I'm still injured or not. I'm an idiot. And um, <laughs> but I do want to. Uh, barring that, I do want to heal completely because I don't. I'm not going to be sidelined by this. Right. So doing anti-inflammatories and physical therapy and all sorts of good stuff. And that's a good you thing about that, the bike. That's right. You can still bike. So. That's all right. right. Well, with us today we have. Heather Robertson from HalfSizeMe.com. Heather, are you still there lurking in the background? Yeah, I am. And I'm thinking that you are two gentlemen I do not want to run with because, <laughs> because it just sounds painful. Well, you know, it, it can be a little, uh, it can be a little painful sometimes if you're, if you're a little, little too uh, aggressive with the running. That, yeah. that was definitely a first for me. Okay. Well, that's good. That's not the norm then. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, the, uh, the, the nice thing about it is though, is that when we got through running, we were at the house, <laughs> so oh, we were able good. to sit down and and not uh not continually to hurt hurt ourselves anymore. Well, he- Heather, um, I don't want to. I'll do this every time we have a guest, Heather. I try so hard not to tell their story for them, but I get so excited I try to tell their story for them. So I'm going to only introduce you by saying Heather is a fellow blogger slash podcaster slash uh, fitness success story who has done some incredible things in her life. And so I just emailed her and said, would you like to come on and share your story? And she was gracious enough to agree to. So before we even get into any of that, Heather, just tell us, take two or three minutes and tell us about who you are outside of, of weight loss and fitness and blogging and podcasting or any of that. Who is Heather Robertson? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, uh, I used to be in my previous life before I was a mom, I used to be a teacher. Um, I've always worked with kids in some capacity, helping to educate or tutor or work with kids in some way. Um, I've always had a love of educating others. And um, of course, I had my own children. And so now I 
spend the majority of my time when I'm not doing stuff, fitness or exercise or podcast related, um, you know, educating my own children and homeschooling them and um, just spending time with my husband. When you have three young kids, you don't get a whole lot of time outside <laughs> outside of that to do anything else. But I am going to be one of my lifelong things I've always wanted to do is to take up scuba diving. And that is going to be hopefully happening in the next couple months. So now do you live in an area where you can scuba dive frequently? Actually, yes, I do. Awesome. Um, I live in, yeah, I live in the state of Florida. And so we're surrounded by lots of great beaches and we have the perfect weather for it, but I've never attempted it before because of my weight. So this is something that I've <laughs> always wanted to do. Yeah. Well, you know, normally I don't try to take the guest time to tell my own funny anecdotes, but I have to tell a quick story. I, I've always wanted to scuba dive as well. And that's on my bucket list. I haven't done it yet, but I have snorkeled. However, I snorkeled when I weighed um, probably about 375 pounds which was okay because when you're really fat, you float good. So that part was good. Um, I was snorkeling off the coast of Belize on a, on a cruise my wife and I were on. But the problem was when I tried to get back in the boat, and I think I've told this story on here before, the way you got back in the boat so they could shuttle you back over to the little island that we were supposed to go to to relax was you climbed up a little ladder on the back. And, and Eddie, the deckhand that probably weighed about a buck five wet, he's about a 17-year-old kid, um, his job was to help you out of the water. Well, there was a rope to grab hold of, the three little steps that the top step barely got down in the water, and that was it. On top of that, the steps were broken, the ladder was broken, so Eddie had to put one foot on the top of the ladder to hold it down um, or into the fiberglass and then kind of reach down and help you. Well, he couldn't pull me up. I couldn't pull me up. So literally, <laughs> I, we ended up, I, I got the rope in one hand that they had there, uh, Eddie was grabbing my arm with his other with his one hand. I managed to get my hand around the back of the motor because I had to pretty much lay on my back to get my foot up high enough because I couldn't lift my leg up high enough. And then another swimmer came up behind me and basically put his hands on my rear end and shoved me up far enough that I could get a, a handhold to be able to get in. And I always say that, you know, it was so hum humiliating and so embarrassing that I came straight home and started my fitness journey. And the reality is it took me about 10 more years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny that how the humiliation, you know, you forget about it quickly you put it away you don't want to think about it but yeah. hey there was a buffet on that cruise ship and it was really good there was several buffets actually but i lost weight that cruise ship that cruise because we walked so much but the story the more the point of that story is um there really isn't one but i'm i'm looking forward to scuba diving one day too now that i'm more fit and uh and i'm, I'm really excited about that idea because i love the water i've always loved the water yeah. so um i look forward to, I, I can't wait to read a, a podcast about it or a blog about it and, and uh, read a podcast hear a podcast from you about it or read a blog about how it goes for you because I think that's really one of the coolest things. Yeah, I will definitely be sharing all that with everybody. Cool. So I didn't, I, I talked, like I said, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I, I meant to, but it was, <laughs> it wasn't like I accidentally started talking, um, but actually it was, I, I do that lots of times. So Heather, you, you've, you, uh, you've got three kids, you've got a husband. Um, and then at one point you kind of, uh, I think everybody does that, that become successful at losing weight. There's some kind of tipping point. Um, mm -hmm. most people don't gradually gain weight over 25 years and then gradually lose weight over 25 years. Um, they do the gradually gaining part, you know, over however many years, but then there's a, there's some point when you, you make that decision. Um, and I, I'll always like to hear from people about what was the thing, what was the motivating factor? Um, when did you finally cross over that tipping point and decide that it was time to really do something? Um, actually for me, it was, it was with my first pregnancy. I wanted to have a child very badly and we actually got pregnant real easy right out the gate. And, um, when I did, I was so elated and I, I had, you know, it's it just like everybody else. When you're heavy, do you really weigh yourself on the scale? Not really. Yeah. 
So I kind of hadn't been weighing myself and um, I went to my first OBGYN appointment and my doctor looked at me and he, you know, um, it's funny, you don't see yourself the way that everybody else sees you. Like I didn't see myself as being as big as I think a medical professional saw me. And he looked at me and he said, well, what's your heaviest weight you've been to this point? And I had remembered a while back, like when I was in my mid twenties, I had weighed 290 and that was like the highest I had ever been. Right. And I said to him, I said, well, 290. And he goes, that's where we're starting. And I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like I just, that, that realization of I'm going over 300 pounds. There's just no way I'm not, you know, because just a normal pregnancy, you put on 20 pounds Mm -hmm. and, you know, and of course I'm not super active. I don't have very good eating skills. And so I knew what that meant for me. Um, and then of course I continued to gain weight through my pregnancy. I topped out with my first pregnancy at like 335. Um, and I was just devastated. I just never envisioned that I would cross over into the 300s in my life. I just never saw myself at that point. So after I had my first son. I came home and, you know, you have your initial two week readjustment where you lose some water weight and all that. And I thought for sure, you know, I'm going to step on the scale. and I'm at least going to be like 295 or I was going to be under 300. And I couldn't weigh myself on my home scale because it didn't register over 300 at the time. So I had to go to Target and buy a special scale that, you know, was one of those Weight Watchers ones. I think it went up to like 325 or 350. And sure enough, I got on it and I was still like 313. And it just, it was eating me up. You know, it was like one of those things I just was so angry at myself for letting myself get to that point. And now I'm looking at this new baby that's depending on me for everything. And at some point I'm going to have to teach this kid how to eat and how to take care of himself. And I'm looking at myself going, who am I to teach anybody? And so, and of course, having been a teacher, all that's going through my mind. And I'm thinking, well, you lead by example. That's like how I teach. You lead from example. You show people how to do things. I'm a visual learner and I need to see it. And so I told my husband, I said, it's got to change. And so I started down the path and I got down probably to about 270. And then I got pregnant again. That wasn't really planned, but happily, <laughs> happy nonetheless. And um, I, I went just a hair over 300 with that pregnancy, but it came back down really quick. And then I had my third son, got down to 250 after him. And then I decided to join Weight Watchers. So for me, the tipping point was getting over 300. I think that was the the eye-opening moment I right. needed to realize what I was doing. And I think it was the responsibility of having to take care of somebody else and knowing that I was in no shape to do that. Well, it's interesting. We have three people on this podcast right now, and we have three people that are motivated by their children to get healthy. Yeah. Because for me, it was realizing that my son was turning four and was getting to age when he was going to start playing soccer or t-ball or those kind of things and that I was literally not able to even help him that I wasn't going to be able to play with him and Don was the I've got a baby on the way oh lordy what do I do (laughs) moment you know uh classic new daddy freak out mode yeah but I mean that's that's you want to do it for yourself but there's also a level of commitment for your family and, and and uh and your spouse and everybody else uh that I think is healthy. I think it's okay to want to be healthier for your family and for the people you love. I think that's fine. Yeah. And I also think too, depending on, you know, I know women are a little different in how they view themselves as opposed to men, but I think for, you know, depending on the, the situation you are coming out of, say from your, uh, your childhood, or if you ever had any situations where maybe you were in an abusive situation, a lot of times you don't value yourself and you don't love yourself if you're coming out of one of those. And sometimes the abrupt nature of having a child and realizing how much you love that child can all of a sudden make you value yourself a little bit more if you've not been in a situation where you know how to love yourself. Right. 
Exactly right. So you said you, you, you actually lost, what, what almost 100 pounds um, from your highest down before you ever started Weight Watchers, right? Um, from the time at my highest, I was, yeah, I was about 313 and I got down to about 252. I think my starting weight was 250 or 255 with Weight Watchers. So it was okay. like 60, 65 pounds on my own in between pregnancies. And I think for me, the reason I joined Weight Watchers is I still had 108 to go. And, and you guys know how this is. I mean, when you're looking at a large amount of weight to lose, it's one of those things that just is never feels like it's never ending. Right. You know, it's like you, you get you get to this place where most people be like, oh, I lost 60 pounds and, and I'm still 255. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. it's like, you right. know, it's like, when is when am I going to start seeing the results? Because really, I didn't I did not see the huge results till I got well under 200, like as far as, you know, the muscle definition and an actual shape, you know. Right. Um, so for me, I knew that looking at another 100 pounds, I st I needed some support because I, you know, had three young children. It was a great reason to get out of the house. Um, you know, <laughs> there was funny. a lot of reasons that I wanted to join, but that last hundred pounds, I knew I needed some, I needed somebody, you know, besides it just being me. And we have, a, we have a good friend of the show, uh, Gretchen Nagins, who's been on before. And, and she actually talks about that as part of her, part of her workout motivation is just, she has five kids, two of which are twins that just turned four. And so <laughs> she, uh, she likes her time at the gym to be away and have a little bit of her time, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. It really is. Oh, no. uh, so, when we we are uh, here on on the One Million Workout Podcast, we are fans of uh, Weight Watchers as as much as any type of program, simply because a we've seen it help a lot of people. Um, Don's participated in it before and had some success with it, and uh, it, and it's to me just looking at it from the outside because I have never actually joined, even though I've known tons of people that have done it and been successful. It seems so reasonable. I mean, it's it's portion control, it's education, it's teaching you how to to make better choices. Um, and so, is that what drew you to Weight Watchers versus another plan, or was it somebody? Did somebody say, "Hey, I'm doing this. Come join me, Heather"? Or how'd you end no. up picking Weight Watchers? Yeah. Well, for me, actually, I mean, if I go back a little further in my story, um, when I was in high school, I, I've been heavy all my life. Um, I think maybe like the first five years of my life I was and I was a pretty skinny kid. Um, and then, of course, I started gaining weight and eating um, a lot and just packing on the pounds. And I was I think it was my freshman year of high school. I was like 220. And I decided, you know, of course, you're trying to fit into high school and, you know, you're a girl and you're going through all these different body changes as a it is and I just really didn't like my appearance so I went kind of like on a crash diet I, I did like 800 calories and I worked out a lot and I lost the weight I got down to where I'm at now actually um, but I had really no game plan for right. when it was all said and done like basically it literally was I bulldozed through six months of extreme dieting shed 80 pounds and then I, you know, I actually did maintain it for about two years, but it was just strictly like I would make horrible food choices and then strictly cut back the next day. And I was just, I was kind of like all over the place. I wasn't right. really doing anything productive in my opinion with my eating or anything like that. Well, then I started college and I didn't just put on the 15. I packed on a heck of a lot more than that. Um, and I just couldn't stop because I didn't have the time to work out like I had been. I hadn't really learned eat good eating habits or portion control or any of that kind of stuff. And so I gained it all back and, and I really had to look at it differently this time because of course I have you know three young kids mm -hmm. and it's one of those things that 
God help me based on my law of averages. If I lost 80 pounds, gained back 170, well then if I did this whole cycle again, it'd be like 340 pounds I'd have right. to lose next time. And I don't want to continue that. So I said, I need to have maintenance was my primary focus because I knew I could lose weight and, and losing weight to me, it's, and I'm not trying to you know, devalue it and say it's the easy part, but it's the quicker part out of the two. Like most people lose the weight in two, maybe three years tops, depending on how much they have to lose. But the greater portion of your life, you have to maintain the weight. So if you yeah. live to be 90 years old and you're 35 now, you know, do the math, you're going to be maintaining your weight all those years. And I had to really think about that. And the only plan that really offered any guidance in that maintenance phase, which is the longest phase, was Weight Watchers. Uh, you know, it offers a support. You can come in once a month, weigh in. If you have any issues, there's people to talk to. You know, they actually have a plan for maintenance, you know, how to increase your mm -hmm. points and all that. So that was really, for me, the crux of why I joined. My grandmother's a lifetime member and she has been go uh, been one since like 1970 something. Wow. So yeah, so I always had her to look at too as an example, which was huge for me. You know, one of the things we talk about fairly regularly on the show is um, the definition of the word diet, noun versus verb. Um, there's the definition of the word diet that is the things that a, a person or a creature habitually eats. You know, everybody has a diet that they eat, you know, whether it's good or bad. And then there's to diet, the verb diet. I am dieting. And mm -hmm. the problem with that is the definition of that is to, to change your eating habits. You know, the loose definition, the Aaron's translation de definition is to change your even eating habits for a short term to to achieve a desired effect because then the right. problem is is when you quit dieting and you go back to your old diet just like you said then you you end up going back to where you were before or even worse so uh, i can see definitely the appeal of weight watchers from that that aspect that it has that maintenance plan it has a whole it really has a systematic approach it's, it is a it is um as cliche as it sounds and thrown around so many times it is a lifestyle change that they they attempt to ingrain into you Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's awesome. I, I mean, uh, now how long has it been since you reached your, and you did reach your goal weight, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, actually I, um, had planned on hitting it. I think it was April the 7th. Um, but I actually came in on January 7th and hit my goal weight. So I came awesome. in a few months ahead of time. Yeah. So you've been, you hit your goal weight. Well, that would be what, almost eight months ago now. Yeah. And uh, how's that been since then? You've been, um, the now that you're in the maintenance phase, how are you feeling? I feel good because I'm actually, this is going to sound totally bizarre, but I'm learning way more about my body in maintenance than I did in weight loss. I think because if I had to guess why, I, you when you're trying to lose weight, you're obviously you're focused on losing the pounds every week, but you really don't pay attention, I think, as much about like what foods affect you certain ways because right. there is no point of stasis. You know, every week your goal is to lose weight. So like you don't stay at like an even plane for very long in order to say, okay, you know, too many carbs carbs at this time affect me this way. Or if I don't eat enough protein, it affects me this way. Like you don't really play around with it like that. You're yeah. just kind of trying to get to that end goal, that goal weight. And so you're really just watching the calories in, calories out or the points or whatever. Right. But since I've been on maintenance, I've really kind of become more in tune with my body. I've noticed what affects me better when I go to do my workouts. I've noticed what type of foods tend to push my weight up versus down, that kind of stuff. And so that's been an interesting because I've never really, the, the little brief period of time I had in maintenance when I was in high school, I didn't care about any of that kind of stuff. You know, it was all about appearances and that kind right. of thing. Now I actually do care about about what affects me different ways and how I feel internally when I'm working out and with all the responsibilities I have with my kids, I need to know what makes me sluggish and what makes me, you know, have enough energy to make it through the day. 
Well, it's interesting. Um, what most of you don't know, except for Don, uh, is Heather. We were talking just right before the show when we first we got on about uh, about uh, Cave Mom Chronicles, Elizabeth Connect, the, the Paleo Diet, and one of the big Paleo proponents um, is a guy named Mark Sisson. He has Mark's Daily Apple, and he actually refers to his method as primal. It's kind of a kind of a certain flavor of Paleo, and he talks a lot about that. Heather, he talks about learning what your body handles like some people are very lactose intolerant and and they know that you know you know i'm lactose intolerant you hear people say that but there's other people who are have some degree of lactose intolerance and don't even realize it because they never put two and two together because like you said they're eating so up and down or they they're they're binging and 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 then fasting and all kinds of crazy things like that and they feel bad all the time because they're always they, because they're 150 pounds overweight but when you when you get in shape and you kind of get more in tune with what your body and your, and your digestive system to not be too graphic, um, yeah, you can you can really learn. Like I I know for me that um, I love bread and things like that. But after if I eat a bunch of bread and, and things, regardless of paleo or not paleo, I always just kind of feel. I don't know. Blah is not really a technical term, but um, I guess it's the sugar spike. I sugar crash after I get through. You know what I mean? I eat, I yeah. eat five rolls. Not my blood sugar will spike, and I'm not diabetic. I don't have blood sugar problems, but that's enough of a of an insulin dump or whatever. That afterwards, I feel just kind of. Uh, I just want to take a nap. I really do find find that afternoon nap just creeping up on me if I eat that way. So it's yeah. interesting that you that you noticed that. Well, that, that's awesome that you've um, been at it. You know, holding it steady for eight months, and and the other half of that is uh, everybody always talks about. You know, is is, is uh, your your eating, but also the exercise. And so what did you start doing when you when you started being more active? What was your your exercise of choice? Well, actually, when I first started, um, you know, I had I had as I mentioned before, the weight I had lost in high school, I strictly did that with walking. I didn't belong to a gym membership you know, or anything like that. So I, of course, started at the same place, you know, this go around when I hit about 280 pounds, I decided, you know, I wanted to commit to something. Uh-huh. And so I went ahead and I joined the gym and um you know, I kind of just saw like all these machines. And of course, when you're 280 pounds and you're a woman and you're looking at all these machines, you're thinking, one, you don't want to look kind of, you know, silly for not knowing how to work any of them. And two, you really don't know what you need. And so I was real hesitant to um, just start running up to machines and using them. And I noticed they had a class. And since I had been a teacher and I was actually comfortable in a classroom environment and everything like that, I figured, well, you know what, at least there's an instructor and they can walk me through what I'm supposed to be doing and I got somebody to watch and that will do the activities in front of me and um, I went to too bad right exactly (laughs) and so I uh, go ahead oh this has been there yeah. And so then um, I was just like, you know, I went to several different classes and the high impact ones were just brutal on my joints, especially my lower back. I had some lower back issues for my pregnancies and I just wasn't able to keep up or to do the activities without extreme pain. And so That's somebody no had rec- <laughs> yeah, somebody had recommended to me body pump, which is a um, it's a Les Mills class that they offer. Les Mills puts out a lot of classes, but that's one of the ones. And um, it's a barbell workout. You're straight 
strictly using barbell weights pretty much the entire class and you don't move like you don't jump you don't bounce none of that it's low impact and i had such fantastic results from it i mean i still do it two three times a week now um but i love that class because it has great music it has it hits all your muscle groups and it was one of those things i could do it at 280 pounds i can do it at 148 pounds and you get fantastic results so i fell in love immediately but i started with walking and then i rolled into that and then as i progressed with my weight loss i did start adding in some more like the cardio type classes right. and i did start taking up running um to a certain degree i'm not an avid runner but i do do a little bit i did a 5k this year so but right. that was pretty much my transgression. I always tell everybody start with walking because at least it gets you moving, yes. uh, gets the blood flowing, so to speak. And that way you can start shedding some weight before you start looking into any other options. So tell us, Heather, I know that you that you didn't do, you didn't just do a 5k. You did the mud crusade. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, 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 I like those kind of things. I, my friend Joshua and I did the tough mudder last year. And yeah. that was quite an event. And Don and I are actually scheduled to come down somewhere near your neck of the woods. We're going to be in Jacksonville, Florida in two, four, four weeks, Don, three weeks, something three. like that to do flow rock. It's a, it's a 5k mud run. It's I don't know how many weekends it is until that. Yeah. So how far are you from Jacksonville? Um, I want to say that would probably be like a two, three hour oh, drive okay. from here. Yeah. I, I want to expect you to come up and cheer us on then since it's two or three hours. <laughs> if it was, if it was 15 minutes, I'd say, Heather, I want to see you at the finish line. You know, uh, that would be awesome. Well, if I know, yeah. Cause actually I was thinking about doing the tough mutter myself. I think the, but the problem is, is if I'm not mistaken in my area, it's in the month of December, which is a total nightmare yes. month for me. So, um, but yeah, that's the next one I was kind of looking at. I thought that would be a lot of fun. Well, a lot of fun using quote fingers, yeah, but a lot quotes, of fun. Yeah. <laughs> to do <laughs> it, it was actually quite a, an event um i learned a lot of talk about i learned a lot about myself doing the tough mudder because i was actually injured when i went to it oh. um and about three miles into it my it band kind of gave out on me and it was about six more miles of really just you know forcing myself to move ahead but i came out of it with a better sense of what I'm capable of doing. So even though I didn't run the whole thing and I wasn't super fast, I didn't fly over the obstacles and, you know, with the greatest of ease or anything like that, I learned a lot about myself and, uh, and, I, and it, it was kind of interesting, which is the only reason I'm even considering doing the, um, the triathlon coming up here mm -hmm. next year. That'd be, it'd be next fall before I even did that, like fall 2013 or maybe even spring 2014. So we'll see how it goes, but I, I'm glad you had fun. I, I encourage everybody, um, to start walking, you know, to, to because that is so accessible. You don't have to join anything. Everybody has shoes just about. Uh, and you don't even have to have shoes these days. It's so popular now to be barefoot. To go out and walk. Um, and three miles, it gets pretty attainable, even for somebody that's in, in not too great a shape pretty quick. And uh, and then like you did, set yourself a goal. Put a 5K on the calendar. And if it takes you an hour and 10 minutes, it takes you an hour and 10 minutes. If it takes you 30 minutes, that's great. And for me, that's what I did. My first year, I, I, I did the gobble jog on Thanksgiving. And it was you know, it was really a milestone in my life to do that. And so I encourage people all the time to do that. And I think that's awesome that you mark that off your list of uh, things you want to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, like I said, I, I do running. I do running because I feel like I have to do it to a certain degree. <laughs> but but it's not one of those things like I would much rather lift weights and, and challenge myself that way. But I have a friend who did the the mud crusade with me. And she's one of the she's like the girl that you mentioned at the beginning that has the 13.1 and right. the princess. And she's got all the stickers on the back of her car. And when we got done, I turned to her and I said, because this was my first race. And I said, you know, was this easier or harder? 
than doing like straight running. She goes, oh, no, no, this was way harder. She says, because with all the obstacles intermingled, you having to switch it up, you know, and plus we're running in mud. Right. Um, you know, she's like, she's like, this was way more difficult because, you know, you have to have upper body strength and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So I was like, OK, well, at least that gives me a gauge now. Now I have an idea of where that falls as far as, you know, just between a straight, you know, th uh, 5K and one with an obstacle course mixed in. Well, and, and I know your, your oldest uh, child is five. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, the, a lot of races, um, at least in the Atlanta area, have a 1K in addition to the 5K or the 10K. And, you know, the kids will come out and the parents will run the 5K and then run the 1K with their kid. And that's, uh, we've done that with our son a few times. And our, our son's actually done a couple of 5Ks, which basically involves me carrying for half of it, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's good exercise for me. But that's a great way to, you know, you're talking about setting the example for your kids eating. And obviously, you already set the example for them by working out, but that's a, I, I think it's a great way for families to get out and be active together is to, to do those little neighborhood runs and 5Ks, 1Ks and those kind of things. Tot trots. <laughs> That's but, a great buddy. idea. Well, thanks for letting me know because yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not big into the racing scene, so I might not have caught that, but I will check on that for some of the upcoming ones. Yeah, they're usually like on the holiday races, like the, like the Thanksgiving races. Usually, they'll, they'll have a turkey trot or a gobble jog and have a one k thing. And I don't know if you have in this area in your area, but you might check into it. Casa, the children's advocacy um, group that you know um, helps kids that have been displaced from their home from that kind of thing. They're they're all over the nation. They uh they have what they call the superhero run. And everybody dresses up in costume, and uh, that's a uh, that's pretty cool. We haven't got to do one of those yet, but I've seen them online, and there's one not too far from here, so I'm looking to do that. But that might be an idea. Just throwing it out there. If your kids like superheroes as much as mine do, oh yes, then that would be fantastic. <laughs> Good night, Nathaniel. My son's standing here. He comes in and visits us every night. Good night. So uh, <laughs> everybody that listens to the podcast is used to Nathaniel coming in and interrupting. He's fixing to get in trouble though. He's, he's, making, he's making faces with Don on the video. So good night, Nathaniel. All right. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit. And we talked um, before a little bit. I mentioned that you do a blog and a podcast or a website and a podcast, whatever you want to call it. Tell us about uh, halfsizeme.com. What can somebody find there? Because you've got a lot of great content just for me and just poking around there and, and checking it out. You've got a lot of great stuff. So just give us a little rundown on Half Size Me. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, I, I started it ultimately to help out other. Did we lose her? I'm not getting anything. We lost her. Let me pause the recording. Thank you, Marker. Okay. So tell us about the website. <laughs> Thanks to um, the magic of podcasting, you don't know that we just lost her. Yeah, there you go. Um, yes, with Half Size Me, I started as a way to help other moms. I know what the battles like because, you know, of course, I was losing weight while having all my children and I joined Weight Watchers when my youngest was only six months old. So I had a three year old, a two year old and a six month old. And I believe that that was just a challenge in my, you know, <laughs> my fortitude and, um, you know, my strength. And I wanted to be able to help other moms realize they have that inside of them. And so uh, my husband was like, well, you guys start a blog. You should start a blog and help other people and share your story. And yeah. I'm like, but I don't like to write. 
You know, like I have to be honest. I used to teach math. Writing is not my thing. So my husband's a great writer. Thank God I have him. But I'm like, you know, so I can talk to people. I will talk to you all day long about diet, weight loss, helping you out, that kind of stuff. But I'm not somebody who wants to just sit there and write blog post after blog post. So he's like, well, you know, he had been podcasting for about a year and he does one about uh, old movies, forgotten flicks. And so I had um, him as a resource and he goes, well, why don't you do a podcast? And I said, okay. And so I started out doing a podcast and I wanted to basically, you know, ultimately not only just help out moms and, and show them, you know, that it can be done. It can be done in a healthy way, you know, no diet pills, you know, no shakes and all that kind of business. But I also wanted them to have every excuse kind of removed off the table. So like, I'm always looking for people to interview that have overcome something, you know, whether it be diabetes or, right. you know, they went through menopause at the age of 30. I mean, I've, you know, it's amazing the amount of strength and character that people out there have and they're willing to share it. And it's by us sharing that and, and realizing that it can be done and it can be done in lieu of all these other things that there is no reason for you not to achieve every goal that you set forth for yourself. And so that's where my real passion lies is I want, I want women to to realize one that they're worth it and we always put our families first we always put our kids first we do everything for them and it was so hard for me at the beginning i didn't feel like i was justified in taking an hour and going to the gym but like the friend you mentioned at the beginning when i realized that was the only quiet time i got in my own head it was like oh i'm going to the gym <laughs> you know and i want yeah pick me hello so anyway um i wanted other women to realize that they deserve it and they do need it and just that small amount of time every day the hour working out you know just prepare their meals, they can achieve great things. And I mean, I lost 170 pounds and there's a lot of people out there have a lot less to lose and it can be done. And I want them to understand that. And I get so tired of people, you know, saying, oh, you can't do it. You know, wait till the kids get out of the house, you know, all the excuses. And it's like, I want to be the voice that says, no, no, you can do it. And I'm going to show you how you can do it. Or I'm going to bring somebody on that can show you how you can do it. And don't give up on yourself because I felt like giving up on myself. But I had lots of people who cheered me on right. along the way and I kept going and I achieved it. And so I know it's possible. And that's what I that's what I push. It's not always easy, but it's possible. And, and that's why I started half size me. That's awesome. Now the, you've got, you've got quite a few things on there. You've got, uh, articles, you've got, um, things about, about what to actually eat, not just, um, yeah. you've got, don't you put like your actual, your actually actual meal plans and things like yeah. that. Did you eat on there? Yes. Talk I about put that my menu. Bit. Yeah. I put my menu up because honestly, as a mom, I can't tell you how many times I've rolled up on five o'clock and I go, God, <laughs> what are we eating for dinner? Like that's the idea that runs through your head because you get so busy, you know, you've got everything going on and literally five o'clock comes up and it bites you, you know, and yep. it's like, okay. So I said to myself, this isn't going to work unless I pre-plan my meals. I have to plan them ahead of time. And I had gone to bloggers that did that. They weren't in like the weight loss industry. They were more like in the frugal industry. Mm -hmm. um, but that, they did that every week and it was a godsend. It was like I would go to their website and they had these menus on there. And a lot of stuff I couldn't eat because it didn't fit my diet. But it was one of those things that just the fact that they prepared something, just the fact that they had done it, it gave me the idea that this would help me. And so then I started doing my own. And then I would have, I can't tell you how many people would 
come to me and say, well, just write down what you're eating and I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so I finally just said, you know what? I'm just going to post up my plans on what I'm going to eat this week. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's just like it's like a kind of like a laundry list of breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. And then I you know, have the links on there that go directly to the recipe. If it's something that I would make, you know, that isn't like a recipe that's already out on the Internet. I just right. go and post the ingredients. But it basically, it's again, it's a way to help moms remove the excuse from their plate that say, I can't do this because I don't have time to plan out what I'm going to eat for the week. So I give it on Fridays and then it starts on Monday. So like the idea of what I'm going to eat for the next Monday, I post it on Friday. So you can do the grocery shopping over the weekend. You can cut and chop and prepare your meals ahead of time, which I highly recommend, by the way. Right. And then, you know, that next week, it should be smooth sailing because in theory, you would have prepped the weekend for the upcoming week. And the preparation is key. If you don't prepare, you you it's very hard to be successful, especially when you got lots of young kids at home. It's it's really hard. So that's something I thought would really benefit moms out there that are struggling and who just need some guidance and they need some ideas. Well, you know, the, the thing, uh, it, what you're saying is so true, and I hope people are listening and taking this to heart. It really does come down to simple preparation. I mean, it, it, it it's, there's no magic to it, really. It's just a matter of choosing to do it and then doing it. And it sounds so oversimple, oversimplified, um, but it, it is such a truth that you've learned and that you've applied to your life. My wife and I, my wife's a stay at home mom. And, uh, when we don't get ridiculously busy and, and we plan ahead and she shops and, or I shop, which is less likely, but if she shops and we do some prep and, and we know what we're going to eat, it's, we, we bypass that whole, it's five o'clock. What are we going to do? Um, grab something that's bad for us, panic, you know? And it really does make a huge, huge difference in what we eat, how we eat, um, the quality of the food we eat, and and all those kind of things. Oh, and it's a total money saver, too, because nine times out of 10, if you're a mom, and it doesn't matter if you work or if you're stay at home, if you don't know what you're making at five o'clock and there's nothing thawed out and ready to go, nine times out of 10, you're probably going to pick something up. And it's going to be way more expensive than it would have been had you bought the stuff prepared the, you know, the weekend before. And a lot of times, as the other argument that's made, oh, it's too expensive. Well, if you <laughs> plan ahead and you prepare ahead, actually it can be just the same or even a little cheaper because you're eating more of your meals at home. So when you really think about it from a financial point, that that also is a, a huge benefit as well. Well, it might cost us, I'm just making a number up here, $15 to fix dinner for a really nice dinner. I mean, that's a that's a nice dinner, nice salad, some side vegetables, some kind of good protein. But the, then the reality is there'll be leftovers that I'll take for lunch the next day and that'll save me 10 bucks. <laughs> it really will. Because it's, I don't know about you guys, um, but man, it seems like well, if I go to McDonald's and buy a burger on the value menu and a value fry and a large drink, I can do that for three dollars. But, you know, I just don't I don't find myself wanting to put that kind of food in my body as much anymore as I used to. And so then I want to go somewhere to eat that's got some better choices and some healthier food. And it just seems like I can't even get out of a restaurant at lunch for at work for less than ten dollars. And it doesn't take many of those to break the bank. I mean, I can I can buy a lot of groceries for ten dollars a day you know, five days a week, four weeks a month, <laughs> Yeah, just for my lunch money. I can buy $200 worth of groceries a month. So Don, Absolutely. do you want to say something? Nope. Scratch my face. Oh, scratch but I do face. the same thing. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Heather, uh, you know, oftentimes when I have a guest on the show, uh, we like to ask them, is there any, any parting thoughts? If you, if you were standing in the grocery line with somebody and, and, and uh, they started talking to you and they said, you know, my biggest thing is I really need to lose some weight. 
And uh, they and you told them, you know, I've lost 170 pounds. And they said, really, how'd you do it? Or what can I do? What's that that two minute um, motivational talk? What's that that one uh, nugget of wisdom that you try to give people in that that little brief window of opportunity that you'd like them to leave tonight uh, remembering or today, whenever it is when they're listening to this, uh, remembering um, from you that that's that one that one kind of thing that you want to grab hold of. Well, I would say to them, I would, it would be different things, of course, that would scurry through my mind. How old are they? How many times have they tried to lose weight? You know, right. how much weight do they have to lose? I would think about all those factors. But the one thing that really helped me get through this journey was setting small achievable goals. And assuming I would be speaking to a woman, I would say, you know, set a realistic amount of weight to lose per week, one to two pounds, and look at it as an average. Because so many times I have women that come to me and they say, oh, you know, I would love to be able to drop five pounds a week. And, you know, I'm so discouraged because I'm not, you know, getting this amount of weight per week. And what I realized along my journey is that you don't lose weight consistently. It comes off at different in different ways at different times. And there'd be one week I'd lose seven pounds and one week I'd gain 0.8 on the scale. And it was the average weight loss that I focused on. And when I was kinder to myself, and I would tell her this to be kinder to yourself and say, I'm only going to focus on losing one pound per week. That's 52 pounds in a year. And if you look at the average and as opposed to the week to week weigh in, you're going to be so much happier with yourself and you're going to actually achieve your goals and you're going to feel better about yourself because so many of us have been on so many diets and we've gotten discouraged time after time again. And we feel like we can't achieve our goals because every time we attempt to, we fail. And so that affects how we feel about ourselves. And that's kind of like your self-efficacy. And I would say, as opposed to damaging it more, set realistic, small, achievable goals and actually reach them. Because at the end of the year, you have 52 pounds off for anybody. That's a good amount of weight to lose. But we get so caught up in, oh, I want to lose the big numbers this week. And it ends up really shooting us in the foot. And so that's the that's really to me the thing that if I could get people to really understand to focus on the average and don't focus on the week to week weigh in, that would be that would be one of the best gifts I think I could give them because they would honestly start to see the fact they are losing the weight. It's just not coming off every single week at the exact same time, the exact same amount that they want it to be. And that it is totally doable. You just have to be patient with yourself and realize that it's not going to come off the way you want it to come off. It's good, but it will come off. That's awesome. You know, I tell people all the time, I, I didn't lose 150 pounds. I lost one pound 150 times. And, exactly. And that's kind of the way I've had to approach it too. Even with me right now, I've gone through a little um, up and down where I was hurt for a while and didn't exercise and kind of just let myself go over the holidays and gain a few pounds back. And, and now, you know, my mind says, I want to instantly be back to my lowest weight, but it doesn't work that way. Just like you're saying. So I'm just approaching it one week at a time, one pound at a time and just slowly um, moving myself in the right direction. That's great Absolutely. advice. I appreciate that. Well, Heather, thanks so much for being with us tonight. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing more great stuff from halfsizeme.com. Check out Heather's website. She's got many ways you can contact her on there. Um, she's got a Facebook page, of course, as well. Lots of great video, lots of great podcasts, all kinds of content. She seems very responsive to all her her uh, her audience out there. So if you have a question for her, you can shoot it to me at Aaron uh, at onemealworkout.com, or you can just go straight to Heather on, the, on her website there and contact her, and I'm sure she'd be happy to answer any of your questions. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being with us and uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. 
All right, here for our recipe slash cooking tip of the week is Elizabeth Connect from CaveMomChronicles.com. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. What are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about getting a really good caramelization on roasted vegetables. Oh, I love that. Say just say that again. Caramelization. On, just say that one more time for me. <laughs> Good caramelization on roasted vegetables. It's like candy. I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's it's, it's nature's candy. They say grapes are nature's candy, but caramelized vegetables is. I'm sorry, I'll just I'm I'm off on a tangent. Go ahead. It's delicious, isn't it? <laughs> yes, well, I'm not it. A, I'm not a big fan of vegetables, or I wasn't until paleo, and uh and I'm not always a fan of things, but we found out that that getting that good roasted, you know, that good caramel on it is mm-hmm. just amazing. So to get a really really good crispy caramelization on roasted vegetables, like um, like a lot of the professionals do, you can simulate that really intense heat of an industrial oven. By bringing your oven up as hot as it goes for, I think most oven, it's about 475, 500. And then you put an empty roasting pan or a sheet pan that's lined with foil inside of that oven for about 10 to 15 minutes at that full heat. So you toss your vegetables with your olive oil and your salt and your pepper, and then you throw them on the hot pan carefully so you don't burn yourself. And then as it roasts, it gives you that really high heat that you need to caramelize the sugars and the vegetables quickly, and it makes a really delicious side dish. Wow. You know, I used to not eat vegetables much at all. I was, I've always been a green bean guy. I always liked green beans and I would eat those, but pretty much anything else I was like, eh, now I love bell pepper, banana pepper, cauliflower, broccoli, onions, anything. If you can, if you can heat it up and boil it or caramelize it or stick butter on it or whatever i i mean i, I love it <laughs> all, all of the above exactly right? so that's that's great because i don't think we've actually ever i don't think my wife's normal ever cooked them that way before she does a lot of different things with them but but the method you said sounds like it's going to be delicious so we will definitely try that one out if you want some more fabulous recipe slash cooking tips go to cavemomchronicles.com and check out all the wonderful stuff that elizabeth has there thanks elizabeth thank you so great we had heather robertson with us today we had an awesome tip from Elizabeth Connect at Caveman Chronicles and we had Don Sullivan and we had Aaron Butler so it's a, an all around great evening hooray so if you um if you if you're in the if you're in the market for some more great podcast content elementop.com is the place to go that's our parent company that hosts this podcast if you're in the market for more information about being healthy being in shape uh, eating better and living a more fit and active life you can go to one meal one workout.com that's the number one m-e-a-l the number one workout.com or you if you have a question or a comment you can email me at double a-r-o-n that's a-a-r-o-n at one meal workout.com i respond to all emails uh, and possibly even read it on the air if it's something that that uh, you know all our guests would want to all our guests all our audience would like to hear but as always thank you very much for listening uh, we're looking for show topics we want to tell you talk about what you want to hear we want to uh we want to we want to you know answer the questions that our audience has because that's what we're here for we're here to entertain educate and encourage not necessarily in that order but that's what we're here to do so if you have a show topic that you'd like us to address i will find an expert or i'll make it up each, each of those are equally as likely so don thank you for being with me always a pleasure mark hoping you back next week and remember, before starting any diet or exercise program, it's important to consult your health care provider.